We are here on the line with Frank Pavich, a internationally renowned filmmaker and the director of the wonderful uh, Hodorowski's Dune, which of course we have been talking about recently uh, between Julia, Liam, and myself in our uh, in our work on Jodorowsky on the the whole project of Dune and uh, and Jodorowsky's work within it. Frank, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. Oh, my pleasure. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. I can't tell you how excited I am to talk to you. I, I, I am so <laughs> <No>. excited. <laughs> well, I hope I don't let you down. I, 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 the pressure is now on. <laughs> Frank, I just wanted to start, you know, we're about 10 years out from, you know, the, the probably the beginnings of, or some of the beginnings of the filming of, of the documentary. Uh, the, the, I think it came out in 2013. Probably, I imagine that there was a few years that went into the making of it, maybe more than two. But say that we're about 10 years since the, the, the concept of the movie became a reality, that everything started to come together. What do you think has changed about the kind of public perspective of, of that uh, adaptation since your movie came out? Um, hmm, that's interesting. I, I, you know, Dune is always sort of alive you know you've always there's been many directors uh since Jodorowsky uh and since David Lynch who've tried to make it so sure. I feel like every couple of years it would pop up you know in your news feed or you know back in the you know in the Hollywood trades or whatever that so-and-so is going to direct it or this guy is going to direct it so that's always been sort of alive so I don't know if the documentary had any effect um on Dune I I do believe that it had a a very positive effect on Jodorowsky, Mm. Um, you know, because he, before we, you know, you're right, it's just over 10 years. We started shooting, the first interview we did with uh, Alejandro was in February 2011. Um, So we're over 10 years now. Is that you meeting him for for the first time? For, uh, for no, the I met him. I met him a, like a few months before. I went to. I had to go. Uh, I was summoned to Paris, basically, to meet him. To, <laughs> oh so my god! Him, How did that happen? You know? Please tell me. Oh my goodness! I would die. I, I didn't know. I was. You know. I had this. You know. I wanted to make this movie, but I had no connection to him whatsoever. You know. He was a, a myth, especially. Yes. You know. At, at that point, like, is right, he? Of course. Is he a human being, or you know, is he is he an AI like uh, like you, Doug? I don't know. Um, but he, he, you know, I, I could I didn't know how to contact him, uh, and I found a website for uh, this uh, agency that uh, claimed to represent him. I believe for acting, I think is what it said. <laughs> so I was like, I don't know if this is real. I had like a picture of his, you know, a headshot of him, and I was like, that's sort of strange, but I sent them an email anyway, um, just in case it was real. And I just said, oh, you know, is it true that you represent Alejandro Jodorowsky? I, you know, I I have this idea to make this movie with him, you know, about his experience with Dune. Is there any way that, you know, I could be connected to him? And maybe a month or so later, I got an email from him, actually, not from the agent, but from Jodorowsky. Uh, which was, you know, a terrifying uh, experience, you know. But uh, and I didn't open it for about a week. Oh my God! You just let it sit there. Well, because you know, because what if I opened it and what if it just said, you know, dear Frank, leave me alone, or dear Frank, I'm not interested in doing this, or dear Frank, so sorry, but I just started making this documentary with somebody else. Right, right, you know, right. Who knows what it could have been. 
So I didn't want to have my dream uh, crushed. So I walked around for a week and I pretended that, you know, that he was going to do it. And, you know, it was the last, you know, maybe the last bit of joy in my life before I would, uh, you know, kill myself if I opened it. Yeah, and but, it was negative. But, but now you know what it said. And now you know what it said. And you're like, I waited a week when I could have known right away. That's true. Yeah, you know, I... But what if it was, but what if, it, I guess I'm a negative person. <laughs> You're more if, of an optimist than I am, Julia. I don't know. I, I, <laughs> I guess I just feel like if I, if I saw an email from Alejandro Jodorowsky in my mailbox, I would open it within nanoseconds. Oh my I, it God. It was scary, I would, but it was really I would have like left it for six months. I, I would not have been able to <laughs> look at it. And, and it wouldn't even be, to me, it would be like any way that he responded. If it's positive, well, now the work begins. If it's negative, I would feel crushed. And what if it was particularly negative? It's like, how dare yeah. you even even attempt to do this? I, I wonder though, Frank, if it had been like, not negative in that way, if it would just be like, I'm not interested, was that the end of the project? Or was there a potential to still follow through with this even without Jodorowsky participating? Uh, it never even would occur to me to do it right. without him because it's mm -hmm. not, it's about Dune, I guess. Sure, but it's really about him. You know, I, I never grew up as a as a Dune fan, um, to be totally honest. I don't think I actually read the book until I was like on the plane, uh, <laughs> going to like you know do the first interviews. It just wasn't something that I that I grew up with. But I was interested in him. Um, mm -hmm. So without him, there would be no you know there would be no movie really. I think it's so it it's hard even, to imagine. You know, occur to me. It's hard to imagine that documentary without him at the core of it. That is for sure. It certainly it would be a much different beast. So what was yeah, the first? Yeah, it would be sad. So you get called to Paris. What's that first meeting like? Yeah. So basically, his you know his uh, email was very simple, and it was you know oh I, I understand you're looking for me. Um, if you want to speak with me, you need to come to Paris, and <laughs> we need to to meet face to face, um, which was you know terrifying and thrilling and everything. And uh, I was living in New York, uh, and my now wife was uh, temporarily living uh, where I currently live, in Switzerland. So I was visiting her, and uh, we live in Geneva, and uh, we were talking about it, and she said, oh, well, Paris is just, you know, three hours on the train. Like, why don't you, you know, it's so easy for you to go there. Why don't you just go there? So. <laughs> I said, okay, that's pretty crazy. And I, you know, looked it up and it was true. It's just a three hour train ride. And I contacted him and said, oh, I would love to come meet with you. And we set a time and a date and, and off I went uh, to go find this guy, which was, you know, which was uh, quite an experience, I have to oh. say. It was very short. <laughs> oh, please uh, tell us. It was a really short meeting. It was, it was at his apartment. Um, so I, you know, I get to the oh apartment and you're... You, yeah, and you and you, and the buzzer downstairs says Jodorowsky, which is <laughs> first, it's, of course it does, but it's so strange. Like, wow, he's like a human being. So just I, looking uh, around his apartment would be fascinating. Was, I'm sure, like even the little bits you show in the documentary, like, oh, I want to see more. All these little trinkets and memorabilia from his uh, life. It's chock full of everything. It's just, it's insane. There's just so many. There's just posters and artwork and, you know, more books than you can count and just everything is there. And like you said, trinkets and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. This this would and... have to be like one of the most potentially like in terms of a if you're an anxious person like I am, you are not only just meeting him, 
you're meeting him with the sense that he's feeling you out, right? He's feeling yeah. out like your competence, whether you could do the project, whether he wants to work with you. You are being judged by Jodorowsky. Oh, How yeah. did that go? <laughs> well, and this is the this is the only thing, right? He didn't go and find your previous film work. Like this meeting is the entire basis for your ability to do this movie. And until today, it's the entire basis. He never asked me, you know, not that he looked you know, did any research on me beforehand, of course. And, and even when we met, he never asked me, well, what have you done before? Oh. What makes you think you can do this? Never, <laughs> never, never, never. The meeting was five minutes, 10 minutes. Oh. Um, and if I remember correctly, the, the big Dune book was like sitting on this ottoman in between oh. us, oh. but he never offered me to look inside of it. So I was just sort of like sitting with this giant, you know, this giant book in between us, but I could never open it up, which was, you know, sort of hilarious. And we just had a conversation and he just said, you know, what do you, you know, what do you want to do? And, and I think he, you know, I think he's just a, at least I like the way I like, maybe I humor myself. Um, but I think he's just a good judge of character. And I think that he could see that I was just honest. Um, and, uh, you know, I wasn't coming with any sort of, you know, ulterior motive. I was just, you know, genuinely interested to to make this film. Um, and it was a very simple meeting and it basically ended with him saying, you know, sounds great, um, <laughs> but you need to contact uh, Michelle Sadu, who was the producer of Dune, because mm. he has all the artwork and, uh, you know, you need to contact him. And uh, and because without the artwork, you have there's no movie to make. Right. Uh, so I said, okay, great. I said, well, you'll just, just give me his contact info and, you know, I'll give him a call. And then Alejandro said, well, there's a problem. I said, what's the problem? He said, well, I think Michelle Sadu hates me. You know, we haven't spoken for 30 years or something. And, you know, I don't know if you're going to be successful. So then I had to go back to Geneva and sort of do research and find out where is Michelle Sadu? Is he still alive? Mm -hmm. What's going on? Does he still have this company? And, you know, found him and his company and made an appointment and then went back to Paris to go you know, make the second pitch and the second meeting, basically. But it was a very quick, it was a really quick thing. There was no, I think, you know, I, he's he's done interviews since then where he, I think like at film festivals especially, and, and when he talks about our first meeting, he says that he agreed to do the documentary because he never thought I would complete it. <laughs> so... I guess maybe it was just a way to get the story off his chest or something, but he didn't think that it would ever amount to anything. So he just kind of did it for for fun. I really don't know. It really makes no sense to me, but that's that's Jodorowsky, I guess. It, it's so. funny that it's it's funny that in your documentary, I believe it's Dan O'Bannon who relates, you know, his concerns about meeting Jodorowsky for the first time that he thinks he's going to be this character, right? This kind of drug-fueled psycho, and then he meets him and he's just like a person, you know, like like an erudite human being who was able to be uh, very charming. And when you walked up the steps or whatever, when you're heading towards that apartment, did you have any expectation of what you were going to see when you when you opened those doors? Um, you know, I probably had less of an idea um, than Dan O'Bannon had because mm. when I first met him, he was much older and he was right. really out of the of the public eye for the most part. Um, mm he would, you know, show up here or there uh, at a film festival or, you know, whatever, but he wasn't, um, he wasn't out there so much, at least in my world. 
Sure. I think in, in other worlds, you know, me, I'm coming from the El Topo, Holy Mountain side of things. But then there's right. people who are, you know, fans of his from the comic books or fans of his from the tarot cards mm-hmm. or all these different things. So maybe for them, it was more, um, he was more present, I think, in the in, the, in their culture. Yeah. Um, but for me, it was sort of like, he hadn't been, you know, he was like a hermit. He hadn't been seen really or heard in, you know, 20 some odd years. So I really didn't know what to expect. I I really had absolutely no idea. I just kind of, I think if I thought about it too much, I probably just would have turned around and, you know. But how amazing is it is that you just, that you just asked and it, they said yes. Like that's yeah. all there was, right? Like you just asked and I suggest you're like, okay, I guess I'm doing this movie now. <laughs> which is which is how he approached everybody for Dune, right? You know, he would see yeah. Orson Welles, he would see Mick Jagger, he would ask them and they would say yes. And it was as simple as that. So I guess he treated me, I suppose, the same way um, that he looked to be treated by all the people that he was searching for. An interesting you know? thing is how fate plays such a role in how he met those people, right? Like I needed to, I needed this person, I needed to meet Mobius, and then there he was. And I guess maybe you were just a, a continuation. There was a big break, and then Frank arrived just at the time that I needed him to tell this story. <laughs> Frank, I'm going to ask you an impossible question, which Ooh, is, <laughs> which is that, do you credit the documentary with the reinvigoration of? Jodorowsky's public career. I mean, he's been more prolific in terms of filmmaking in the decade since you started making that movie than he was in like the 20 years previous to that. How much is that attributed to the popularity and the acclaim of, of your documentary? Uh, I attribute it to the documentary, not to the popularity, to the popularity or to the acclaim, thank you very much, um, <laughs> of the film. But I, it's really, it really came down to um, when we were the first bit of filming we were doing in 2011, we were doing these these interviews, and we, you know, we interviewed Alejandro, of course, several times. We interviewed Michelle Sadu, and and we learned that they hadn't spoken in 30, you know, years, 30 some odd years. So we kind of thought, well, you know, these two people, they have fun, they have a fondness for each other. They really mm-hmm. speak so highly about each other, both in front of the camera and, and off camera. So we had this idea as actually my, I think it was my uh, sound recordist who had this idea. He said, well, let's, let's get them together. Let's, mm-hmm. you know, find a place and get them together. Um, which was not easy because they were both, especially Alejandro was very nervous mm-hmm. um, about uh, a reunion, we'll call it with Michelle Sadu, um, because they, you know, as I said before, when I first met, the first day I met Jodo and he said, oh, you know, he thinks that Michelle Sadu hates him. And I said, I said, why? And he said, well, because, you know, we worked on Dune for two years. I spent millions of Michelle Sadu's, millions of dollars of Michelle Sadu's money and the film never happened. And he must think that I'm not a good director or not a good artist. And when I went to go meet with Michelle Sadu, he had nothing but good things to say about Jodo. He had, you know, original Dune artwork on the walls of his office. Mm-hmm. But he also said that he was nervous because he felt that Alejandro hated him. Mm-hmm. And I said, why do you think he hates you? And he said, well, because we worked together making Dune for all those years. And, you know, he worked so hard, but in the end it didn't get made. And he must think that I failed him. He must think that I let him down. 
So it was kind of this, they both had like these hurt feelings about the project and about the demise, but they didn't blame the other person. They each blamed themselves in, and they were scared of how they looked in the eyes of the other person. So when we had this idea to get them together, we had to choose this neutral uh, location. Um, and we were going to shoot in this park and right as we were going to shoot, then the police came and shut us down because apparently you needed a permit. We didn't know what the hell we were doing, <laughs> but they, they both showed up separately. And, uh, when they met, they just embraced and we just literally walked, uh, around the streets of Paris with them as they, you know, caught up with each other. How's your wife? How's your kids? Or what are you up to? You know, and they started telling each, you know, reminiscing about their experiences together. And after that shoot uh they said to each other oh well let's get together for you know lunch in a couple of weeks and when they got together for lunch a couple of weeks later um michelle asked joto what are you doing now what are you working on and alejandro said well i'm trying i have my book a book that i wrote about my life called the dance of reality and i want to uh, make that into a film and Michelle Sadu said, great, I'll be your producer. I'll give you a million euros to get started. Let's go make it. Yeah. So they that. actually, he, it was his first movie that he started making because just by chance we happened to get them together. And he was making his, his first film in 20 some odd years at the same time we were making the documentary so that they ended up being completed at the same time uh, and premiered together uh, at Cannes. So it was really wow. a crazy really a crazy experience so i don't i can't say that the documentary is completed helped him although I, i'm sure it did because it put him more out there in the public consciousness um, but then you have to take credit yourself right if you if you hadn't asked to do this documentary and it hadn't been made they wouldn't have gotten together and his next film would have been made so really it's a lot on you to be honest i think that's incredible yeah, you should give yourself absolutely. credit for that yeah, I'll take that credit. <laughs> I mean, that's nice. I, I, I think we should be clear here because I think Frank is being modest. He's not just taking that credit. Uh, he gave uh, Pavich that credit as he declared it in front of a crowd. He was asked, what brought you back to filmmaking? And he yelled, Pavich, at the top yes. of his lungs. So, like, it's, it's and, not and just... Refn, and Refn was sitting next to him on the... Yeah, on the, yeah. On the on the stage or whatever of this film festival. And he, I think it's on YouTube and you can see Refn is very hurt. Yeah. You know, <laughs> by that. He's like, he's like, I'm supposed to be the favorite. It was a very, like for me, it was a fantastic. Movie. I love you that. Know, I love that. Hilarious. You hadn't ha filmed a film in 23 years. Yes. What, what, what made you change your mind? Babich. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes, because no, it's true. It's, uh... <laughs> Life, life is magic. Magic is everywhere in life. Uh, when we didn't make uh, uh, Dune, we was working, I don't know how many times, I cost $2 million, make this book, make everything. And then we didn't do it, and the producer was Michel Sedou, a very rich producer, French. And then I say to me, well, no, we didn't make the picture. They say it's because I was, I, they, they are afraid of me, tenían miedo de mí. Entonces, Michel Sedou debe odiarme. And I thought, uh, he's afraid of me, and uh, Michel Sedou must hate me. And then for 20, 20 years, I didn't want to see him. And for more than 20 years, I, I, I'm sorry, <laughs> <laughs> for more than 20 years, I didn't want to see him. Because he hated me. <laughs> 
He's a failure enormous. And Pavish said, do you want to make an interview with him? I say, how? He hates me. <laughs> no, no, no. He admires you a lot. His life is his best, his best moment of his life, he said. Come to. And then I said, okay, I will speak with him. And then I came here. There I was in Paris, near, near el, el cementerio. The uh, uh, graveyard. Sí, near the graveyard. The graveyard here. It, it was very cold. And he came, and he was so gentle. And we was friends. <laughs> and with him, like me, suffered because he didn't make the picture. And we say together, well, if we didn't do that, we'll make another picture. Okay, and we made it. I, I, I also want to point out something that you pointed out to me, Frank, which is that that same can when his movie's coming out, your documentary is coming out. That was also the premiere of uh, Blue is the Warmest Color, in which yeah. his daughter and Seydoux's daughter both star. So that's yeah. it's it was like the year of of Yodorowsky in a sense, you know, it was a really crazy. It was a really crazy year. It was really yeah, 2013 was the you know the resurgence or the you know the complete takeover, I guess I should say, of the of the Jodorowsky clan and the Sadu clan as well. Yeah, yeah. Oh hell. Yeah, indeed. I wonder. <laughs> you know, one of the things we talked about when we were talking about the Holy Mountain was the relationship between Jodorowsky and Alan Klein falling apart, and the fact that mm. they were not able to reconnect until shortly before Alan Klein's death. I wonder if that may have changed his perspective on some of these long-standing grudges because maybe, you know, w without without your uh without the documentary, without you pushing it to a certain extent, maybe that never would have happened, right? Just one of those kind of major regrets. This is it's funny to think about the documentary even outside of the the final result, the actual movie that people watch. The creation is this, you know, the actual um putting together of these interviews became this life-changing thing that completely changed the path of where Jodorowsky's artistic career went from that point forward. I mean, maybe I'm making too much of it, but it sounds like everything you're saying is that the that 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 you don't really see that with documentaries, that you don't see the path of the person change to that massive extent because of the influence of the, of the documentary. And I think that can all be attributed to the work that you did. It, it really, it did really give him a new chapter a new filmmaking chapter um, and those his news films his are life. fabulous they're so I, incredible they're my favorite they're my favorite out of I, I love el topo i love holy mountain but to me the dance of reality is his best film by far like makes me weep i think mm. that brontus oh my god uh, starring in it is i'm just i'm really shocked that he didn't win the best actor in every me too you know he was truly i just think he is just beyond brilliant it's just it's incredible I the mother i totally agree I, oh. I i i wanted him to win every award i was like this this is the performance everybody brontis jodorowsky yeah. for fuck's sake yeah. jeez it was not really uh, acknowledged as that i don't think as strongly as i think it, it deserved to be i really think he's he's something truly incredible like mm -hmm. it would be my dream one day to make you know to make a narrative film with Brontus. Oh, like, I just yes. think he is absolutely, phew, he's incredible. He's truly, truly incredible. Truly incredible. And you know, I don't know if, I don't know if you guys know this, that his uh, girlfriend or wife, I'm not sure, I think just, I think they, I don't think they're married, but they've been together for years now. 
um, is this uh, Canadian uh, woman. Very, very nice. Uh, I like her already. <laughs> exactly. And she, she saw Jodorowsky's Dune at, uh, at TIFF. And she did not know who Jodorowsky was, or maybe she had heard the name. And for some reason, she went to go see the film. And she was watching the film. And when Brontus came on screen, she goes, who is that handsome man? <laughs> and she went home, looked him up on Facebook or whatever. They started communicating, and they've been together ever since. That's Holy a, shit. This is, how again, do you like that? proof. All you got to do is send an email, folks. It's that simple. <laughs> and, take a, and take a chance. And yeah, take a chance. Yeah. You know? Frank, I have a question for you about documentary filmmaking, um, mm-hmm. which is that you have this amazing character at the center of this story, which is already an incredible story. But one of the things about this this character, this director, this creative force at the center, is that he may have a bit of a reputation for exaggerating the truth at times. And that when he's telling, when he's telling bio, autobiographical elements of his own life, that it may not match up with what other people are saying. How important is it that you capture the literal truth of something rather than what makes the most entertaining story about that? I mean, it all. I think it all depends on the film. If it's a you know a true you know a Netflix true crime sure you know, documentary, I suppose you know truth is the ultimate. You know, um, I think you know it depends on on if it's an investigation into something or if it's a story. And you know, Jodorowsky is. I mean, he's he's the ultimate storyteller. He's the ultimate showman. Um, mm-hmm. Everything he says is is incredible and uh is it all true i can't exactly say but i will say whenever i doubted something it would be corroborated by somebody else like that that crazy pink floyd story where he's right. you know, walking yeah. and they're 100%. eating hamburger he's yelling at them and then there's you know jean paul gimon the, the producer he was like oh yeah that totally happened they told exactly <laughs> the same story i was like you gotta be kidding me i mean it's just when you think that something is too crazy, it ended up being true because that's what happens with Jodorowsky. Like it's just a weird, I call it like a Jodorowskian, like oh that was very Jodorowsky and that was Jodorowsky <laughs> because when these crazy coincidences happen, it's it's like it's meant to be somehow. It's it's a really. So is he just magic? I think he is. I think he truly, I think he really is a magician. Honestly, like he's something really unique i mean really special really incredible I mean, he developed you know you know what you know psychomagic is his yeah. uh, mm-hmm. you know creation so there is some True. sort of magic you know some psychological magic in there um what does it feel like to be in his presence does it feel insane it's uh you know it's funny when we the very the first day we were shooting with him uh we we're filming in his apartment and we were looking for a, you know, quiet corner to shoot in. And he had this assistant at the time. And we asked the assistant, we said, oh, we're, we'd like to shoot over here. Is it okay if we, you know, rearrange some of these books? And the assistant said, oh, sure. You know, so, you know, we've, you know, my team and I have worked on, you know, enough productions that we know how to do these things. You take a picture of, you know, whatever you're going to move so that when you're done, you can put the person's belongings back. Mm-hmm. Um, the way they were um so we did that and then we rearranged you know the books to make them less haphazard or whatever it was and then Jodo came over to us and he started screaming 
because he was he goes he goes I said you could come in here and I would give you my time and you can shoot in here I did not say that you could touch my things and ruin my you know my shelves and my uh, the rest of my team all sort of looked at me and I think one of them even said like okay that was a good trip I guess we're gonna you know pack up and you know right. go back to the US and in my mind I was like what are you talking about like of course we're gonna keep shooting and then I realized I guess that their fathers were all so nice to them growing up <laughs> that they never prepared them for this for these moments of insanity and my my experience growing up was, I guess, a little bit different than theirs. So I was just like, what's the big deal? Like, this is going to blow over. He's just screaming. It's okay. And he was fine, you know. And five minutes later, he sat down and he was, you know, a joy. Um, so he's intimidating at times, you know, um, at times like that. And at other times where he would, you know, give me his opinion on, you know, the questions I was asking or if he thought it was going in a wrong direction. Um, he was very intimidating while at the same time, he also was. Um, he also gave me total freedom, which was uh, pretty crazy. You know, as a as a film director who's telling a story about his life, uh, I really thought that he would be sort of breathing down my neck the sure. entire time. Um, but he never said anything. You know, except for you know, if we were shooting an interview and he was like, "Oh, you're you know, this is a stupid question," or "What's the matter with you?" or whatever. Um, <laughs> But during the editing process and all that, he was completely hands off until the film. The first time he saw the film was at was at Cannes. He was oh, wow. you know, completely hands off, which I, again, I really give him a lot of credit for that because, you know, he treated me the way that he expects to be treated when he's uh, directing um, a film. So I thought that was, you know, that's something that I'm eternally, eternally grateful for. But he's an intimidating character. You don't want to get, you know. You don't want to get on his bad side. That's uh, that's for sure. I've, I've, I've caught his ire a couple of times, but uh, oh my goodness, I still want him to be my guru, though. I got to be honest. But we that's... weren't friends until until the film was done, right? You know? Because while you know, until he saw the film, he, you know, like he said, like he said, he didn't think it would ever be finished. So we really only became friends after at, after Cam. Um, when he saw the film and he really loved it. And then we could speak on a different, you know, on a different level with each other. So that was, I didn't get it. Like I didn't get a tarot card reading until way after <laughs> can. I was too oh. scared during the production of the film. I've never would have dared ask. Oh my God. How I mean, did the tarot was, card reading yeah, go? That's it. That's one of the big questions. <sighs> you know, I think my wife, videotaped it I, di- I didn't really understand it <laughs> just, <laughs> maybe i'm stupid i don't know if it's you know this car i'm just like what do all these things mean i have no idea but he seemed to take it with good humor so i guess it was nothing detrimental i'm still alive so that's a good you know that's a good sign um but i didn't fully grasp it you know that's for sure that's for sure i'll, I'll admit that how, how frank how much access did you have to the book the dune uh, not, of course, the original novel, but the actual kind of uh, uh, big Bible of the making of the movie or the, the creation uh, tools of the movie. How much access did you have to that when you were making the doc? Uh, we, total access. I mean, you know, the, we, you know... Because um, you were animating we parts. Access. I mean, yeah, absolutely. We had access to the book, you know. And we, I could never take it out of Jodo's house. Um, mm. But we, you know... In his apartment, we could, you know, we had a whole, like, you know, half a day. We were just dedicated just to take, getting shots of it. Um, I could look through it as much as I want. And then we had full access 
through Michelle Sadua had access to the original, um, the original storyboards, like the original pencil on paper. Um, they were like these giant pages, like like giant like oak tag size. I don't know if oak tag still exists, but like remember when we were kids, there was like oak tag you'd buy for like art projects, like big, you know, three feet by you know two feet by three feet, like that size paper, right. or bigger actually three feet by four feet, something like that. Um, and that's what Mobius did, uh, the storyboards. They were, they were giant. Um, and so I had access to those, which was, you know, the coolest thing. So that way I could scan those because the, the book is just, or the book is literally photographs um, mm. of, those, of those pages, plus the Giger artwork and the, and the Foss artwork. But we had access to the actual, you know, pencil pencil and paper stuff, which I could scan high res and, you know, start animating and stuff like that. So we had complete access to, to whatever exists, which was only that stuff. There's no other archive material. I thought when we started making the movie, I thought there would be like a treasure trove of, you know, stills right. and maybe super eight footage of the guys in the studio. And there's nothing, there's literally nothing that exists. There's no photographs. There's no uh, film footage. There's nothing. It's just it's just the artwork, completely speaks for itself, which is kind of fascinating. I thought it's like nothing exists except for basically the movie in this visual exactly. form. Right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I mean, that's such an incredible thing because I mean, those those storyboards are, for all intents and purposes, unpublished Mobius artwork, right? That's yeah. that, and I mean that's. That's unbelievable to even think about, especially now that he's passed on. That that you know that that it still is out there in the world. I know that one of the things that Jodorowsky mentions in the documentary is like the potential of someone turning those storyboards into an animated film or using that as a basis for it. But has there been any talk about publishing the storyboards? There's been lots of talk and there's been lots of interest, um, mm. but uh, French copyright law is very. Uh, specific and it favors the artist and uh, so even though it was in my opinion it was what Mobius did was a work for hire sure you know for Michelle Sadu for camera one it was he was paid weekly monthly whatever it was that was a work for hire but in France the artist um, which is a, a kind of a, a fantastic thing the artist retains a lot of uh, uh, re retains the copyright retains the sure. rights to this mm -hmm. stuff which is great when Mobius was alive. He's has passed on and his uh, wife is uh, controls everything. So uh, she will not allow anything to be published. She sent the police uh, to Cannes. She tried to stop one of the screenings at Cannes and I was taken out of the theater and sure. met by a, a bunch of lawyers and uh, French policemen who were there to confiscate uh, the DCP saying that we didn't have the right to use the artwork. Michelle Sadu got into, you know, a lawsuit with her for years over this oh. stuff. I don't even know exactly how it ended up, um, but she basically, you know, she can basically block whatever she wants, and she just wants to block this stuff. I don't know why. It's his legacy. Um, it's her husband's legacy. It would be good for her financially if that's mm -hmm. something she's interested in. It would be good for his, um, for his, yeah. Uh, legacy, you know, for lack of a better word, to, you know, to be out there and to, you know, to stay alive and to influence people. But she just doesn't, 
she just doesn't want it. It's a very strange situation. It's really, and she wasn't even his wife when he was during Dune. You know, she came along later. So it's it's a very strange and unfortunate situation. But in the way I look at it, I think the documentary is the most that will um, that will ever be. It's the most complete telling of the story, I think. And maybe it's maybe it's the maybe that's for the best mm. because. Mm-hmm. You can still use your imagination. Um, you know, he's helping, he's telling, you know, in the documentary, he's telling you stories. There's music, some images are brought to life. Maybe if it was, and it, it retains this air of mystery because it is, you know, you can't have a copy of it. As much as I do want it on my shelf, I can't have it. Um, and maybe that kind of adds to the power of it, possibly. Um, I don't know. I don't know. But it's a, it's a very strange situation. It does. It does actually also kind of, it gives you specifically you as a person kind of a unique insight into certain things because you had access to something that very few people has, have ever had access to and in a lot of different ways, not just not just this, the book, not just the storyboards, but just kind of the, the total story. And it must have been almost like an overdose of information and in, in trying to figure out how to tell that in a way that, that, that related a story of the making of a film that also related the story of the book that the film was based on, but also was relating the differences between those two things. It, boy, when I think about the the scope of making Jodorowsky's Dune, it seems almost overwhelming. And that's even outside of the fact that at its core, again, is this madman who is, you can't take your <laughs> eyes off when you see him say, you know, tell a story about anything. And, and I really wanted to make it for, for people that know nothing about any of those topics right you know i i would like my you know to me it's successful if somebody watches a documentary who doesn't know who jodorowsky is doesn't know what dune is doesn't like science fiction you know that's the person that uh, that i aim that i aimed for with with that film and i think it works for the, for those people because you don't have to know anything because i'm sorry unless you're a total asshole once you're watching jodorowsky you can't help but fall in love with him he's just so Mm -hmm. his passion yeah his passion it's so beautiful the things he says it's so human because it's it's he says beautiful things like oh you have to change your way all these things but he also expresses anger and he also expresses sadness um and that's okay because he gets past that and it's, it's a it's a really uh beautiful story he's a he's an incredibly beautiful person he's you know one of my heroes of course you know for sure one of my favorite people on the planet he's just incredible your words fail me when i speak about him he's just incredible well i've never met i've i don't know him but he's one of my heroes as well he's and it's his passion really that i think everybody responds to and, and his humanity that he's not afraid to express the things that a lot of humans are afraid to express i think that's his honesty is so beautiful yeah he's really he's really I don't know. He's he he touches people in a really unique way. Um, even even to today, he's ninety two years old, and people yeah. look at us. You know, the four of us are sitting here talking about him. He's yeah. he's still vibrant, and he's still uh, he's still in our minds, and he's still creating things mm-hmm. today. I mean, it's it's nonstop. It's really yep. it's really incredible. Whenever people mention that kind of thing where directors uh, kind of downslide as they get older in their careers, and I'm like, oh, no, no, no. Uh, look at Mr. Jodorowsky. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. In his 90s, yeah. killing it. Yeah, yeah. And not, and he's also like, 
he's so pure um, right. in his filmmaking. Like, he he's never directed an episode of a TV show. Uh, he's never directed a commercial. He's never directed a music video. He, you know, if he needs to make money, if he needs to survive, if he needs to pay his rent, he does other things. Uh, he writes books. He, you know, he does, you know, he does uh, talks and stuff like that. But he uses film for very specific and very pure um, reason, which I don't, th- I don't think you can say that about anybody else. I mean, even... Even, you know, people compare him to David Lynch. And sure, I love David Lynch, but David Lynch directed, you know, perfume commercials, you know, <laughs> in the 80s. I mean, Jodorowsky, he's just, he's something completely different than anybody else. He's truly one of a kind, truly. Frank, I wanted to ask you, uh, you know, from when we talked on Cinepunks that I basically am in love with your movie in fact i'm in love with both your movies but i know that you know it's it's been 10 years you you are the only one that's a, that's a you are really you are i really think there are probably at least the five di- the venn diagram is you that's i think it. i think there are probably at least five to ten people on this planet who like both oh, of your movies i think that that's true well, <laughs> well that's a hardcore that, punk that, that is four to nine more people than I expected. Uh, I'm getting, but I I did want to say it's been ten years. Uh, looking back on it, is there anything that you wish you could do differently? Whether that's like something you could do, or you wish the cards had played out differently? What you know? What has time given you a perspective on the film that you think like, oh, I, I would do this this way, or I wish I you know this person had gotten back to me, or anything like that. Um, there's not, you know, there's certain things I was afraid of, um, sure. Bef- before we start, I think before we started filming is when Dan O'Bannon passed away mm-hmm. we were like, oh man, that's, you know, a big piece of the puzzle. He's gone. And then, um, and then I, I assumed that Mobius would be the easiest person to get in the film. Um, but his wife didn't want that happening. So that was blocked. And then he passed away. Um, and that really scared me because I was like, you know, we were like, you know, already well into shooting at that point. And I said, okay, well then there's definitely no hope to get him in it. Um, so that really made me nervous. And then, but then as the editing went on, um, and I guess I really wasn't a hundred percent sure until the film premiered. Um, but when it premiered, then I, I finally could breathe a sigh of relief and say, okay, you know, Mobius who's not in the film as an interview subject, um, he, even though that's true, he is very much in the film. I mean, everyone's talking about him. His artwork is, you know, all over it from the beginning, you know, from the beginning to the end. So he is well represented. So any sort of regret that I would have, like, oh, I wish I had Dan O'Bannon, I wish I had Mobius. I can't say that I have any regrets because it's, I, I, think, I, think, the, I think it's really, I think it just came out as perfectly as it could be like could I, wouldn't it have been great if i had a bigger budget and could have done different things like sure but for some reason this worked out perfectly like i really can't imagine a better scenario and a better experience in making it and um and since it's been completed i really yeah i really have i'm just thrilled with it i'm just to this day i'm just so thrilled that i had the opportunity uh to make it, you know, that it's was a really a, special thing. Such a fantastic film. Uh, so what's next? 
Oh, that's the million dollar question. Uh, <laughs> you know, I had my own dude experience. I spent a year and a half shooting a documentary which uh, collapsed and will never mm. see the light of day. So maybe, oh, in, no. you know, maybe in 30, 40 years, somebody will come and make a you know, documentary about that, although it won't be as interesting as Jorowski's story. <laughs> um, and over the past couple of years, I've been doing something totally different. I've been working on a documentary in the Dominican Republic mm. um, about uh, a school, a free school um, in a very poor area on the, uh, on the North Coast. Um, that uh, it's a school that uh, teaches kids uh, how to play uh, bachata music. Um, so bachata is, which I had no idea what it was. It's the, you know it's this very Dominican uh, style of music, kind of like salsa or song, something like that. Sure. Uh, and it's incredibly popular now. Like the biggest guys sell out, you know, six nights in a row at Madison Square Garden. It's like something insane. Uh, in this form of music that I had never heard of, because you know, what the hell do I know? Um, but this this guy produced me. Uh, this guy approached me, who was wanted to tell the story about the school. So I went down there and you know filmed from 2018 to 2020, um, and basically you know followed. It's a very different type of documentary. It's no, it's not interviews. It's all verite footage, and it's really just following these kids. Uh, and their, you know, crazy lives. Um, and all these kids, what they have in common is they all live, you know, in the same neighborhood and they all intersect at this, uh, at this music school, which is, mm. you know, giving them uh, the opportunity to, you know, learn how to play percussion and guitar and sing and write songs and may give them, you know, uh, a chance in life to, uh, to get out of this, you know, crappy uh, situation that they've been, that they've been dealt. Um, so we'll see. I think we're kind of heading the, to the final, you know, the final editing of it right now. So, you know, knock Yay. on wood. Uh, I was about to say, soon. I was about to say, this is something that I know nothing about. <laughs> and then I did a quick Google and I'm like, I've never heard the term, but I never who, heard it either. But I know who Romeo Santos and Prince Royce are. So, you, I, you know, I, you I, it's like, it's like, okay, I, obviously this is, you know, come into my world a little bit, but I didn't know they were part I just, you know, they're in a vague sort of Latinx music for me. You know what I mean? Learning that they're part of a tradition. Yeah. I mean, Romeo Santos, he's part, he's like the biggest guy. Yeah, he's the number one. When you're that big, it's a very different style of music. It's, you know, auto-tune type thing. Sure, yeah. You know, these kids are learning the real stuff, you know, the real deal music, which is this crazy music, which is totally inappropriate for children to sing. I mean, it's like (laughs) filthy, filthy, double, triple, quadruple entendres. It's insane. And it's these little kids (laughs) singing about, you know, the, the, you know, the sex games they're going to play with you tonight. And, you know, I'm going to show you my magic under the sheets. Like what the hell is going on? I fucking love it. That's perfect. That's amazing. It's a world that I never knew existed. I'm so glad I got to. And you get to bring this world to so many other people with your film. I cannot wait to see it. Yeah, thank you. I hope so. I hope it's good. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> um, yeah, it'll be good. Frank, I want to finish up our little conversation here. I just want to get a sense. Are you excited about the Denis Villeneuve uh, adaptation of Dune? It's just about to come out at the time that uh, that we're talking now. It, does your interest in Dune extend past the fact that you were talking about Jodorowsky? Do you have? Uh, are you are you looking forward to sitting in a theater and seeing this movie? I am. In, I'm looking forward to seeing the film because I like Villeneuve. I think you know mm. he's pretty. You know who's going to say? I mean, if it was anybody else, 
I would be skeptical. Um, but this is a guy who, in my opinion, made a really successful sequel to Blade Runner, which sure. was who ever would have imagined such a thing. And it's incredible. So if anyone's going to do it, if anyone's going to do Dune justice, it would be him. Now, what does that mean? Do Dune justice? Like, you know, people are saying, oh, it's staying true to the novel. Like, is that a good thing? Is the novel, it's, you know, even, it's so complicated. I even, I saw like some video popped up on Twitter or something yesterday of uh, Timothy Chalamet, um, basically like explaining what Dune is, explaining who his character is. And, you know, I'm the son of Duke Leto. It's like, again, you have to explain all this stuff with Dune because the glossary is like 400 pages of the novel. And when Lynch's version came out, you were given, you know, a cheat sheet when you walked in the theater. Um, oh, wow. So, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm very interested to see what he would do. My, my dream, and I've spoken to Brontus about this, um, I want to go see it with Brontus and Jodo. Oh. Um, like. The ultimate. That's, yeah, like, I don't know. I mean, Brontus is totally up for it. I have to see Jodo. I don't know, but it's coming out. It's coming out in France in a couple of weeks, I think. It's way before the U.S. it comes out over here. So um, that's what I want to do. I really... Make it happen. That's the dream, yeah, man. I mean, Make it happen I, for me. Right? <laughs> I, I mean, want like, that. I, that would be like the three of us going, I don't know, it would be something really cool. I don't know. Um, but I'm excited. I mean, I'm, I'm curious. It's, it's a strange movie because it's only half the story. Mm -hmm. And they didn't shoot the two halves together, you know, like like Lord of the Rings or something. Like he hasn't right. written the second movie yet. Oh, so this yeah, is and just he's only like going to do the second half? one if the oh. first one's successful. Yeah, right. Oh. Which is a big if, right? I mean, yeah, oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially I now. I had no idea. So just going to stop like halfway through the story? Oh, yeah. I don't like that yeah. at all. I didn't know that. I don't. I don't. I don't appreciate that. That bums me out, actually. But I mean, what, what are we saying here? We how how how. <laughs> How much criticism can we give? Because we're again, we're talking about an adaptation, right? I mean, it's not like when Jodorowsky was going to do his Dune, he changed the ending entirely, so there was no concern about any sort of follow-up or anything like that. Maybe the adaptation will be make changes in a way that this will not bother anyone watching it. That's what Very I hope. Possible. I, hope. I, I don't. I don't care about fidelity when but, it comes but to. But I'll tell adaptation. you something. You know, as we said earlier, Jodorowsky, and I'll tell you a weird coincidence. I was. I've been speaking a lot lately with uh, the publisher of uh, Humanoids, which is the publishing company that does most of Jodorowsky's uh, mm -hmm. comic books. Like mm -hmm. They do Absolutely. the InCal and you know, they did all the Mobius Jodo stuff. And uh, he is, uh, he's from Geneva actually, and he lives in LA and he is friends with Villeneuve. And uh, so when Villeneuve was uh, coming to LA, when the studio put him up in LA, you know, rented him a house in LA while he was editing Dune. Um, and, you know, the, the humanoids guy, uh, Fabrice, you know, knew he was coming and, you know, but didn't know exactly when or where he was going to be living. And then one day he gets a phone call from Villeneuve who says, oh, I'm in LA. And Fabrice says, oh, great. Where are you? He said, look over the fence. And out <laughs> of all the houses in the entire city of LA, he was put in the house. They rented the house next to the humanoids guy oh, like wow. just what a weird so there was like it was like the whole that's you know, insanity uh, the home improvement yeah. neighbor you know what <laughs> it's like right i mean it's so like, that's crazy that city is huge mm -hmm. and that's where he ended up like 
I, you can't explain these things. This is all, you know, it's you just, just say, weird. It, you just say it's Jodorowsky and then you move on. And like, That's I love it. that you've exactly. introduced this phrase to my vocabulary. I will use it. It should, it should be in, you know, it should be in the dictionary, I think. I think Jodorowsky <laughs> deserves to be in the dictionary. <laughs> I mean, at some point, the, the, the magic around his mythos, it becomes so overwhelming that you can't help but kind of buy into it a little bit. Yeah, it's really... What a, nothing to buy into, Doug. It's all real. It's all it's real. All you know what? I, I gotta. I need to cut all my stop, cynicism off. Stop being a skeptic. Come on. Yes, <laughs> I know. I'm so sorry. Look, until he until he reads my tarot, what am I supposed to, to feel about? If you want to be the alchemist on Liam's shirt, you, know, you, better, <laughs> you, know, you better start playing along. Hey, I'm El Topo. I'm a realist. Okay? Oh, El Topo. I, know. <laughs> I want to be El Topo. I want to be the gunslinger. Come on now. <laughs> Frank, I want to thank you so much for taking this time. Honestly, I could talk to you all day. Uh, you know I'm no, both was, a fan of you so as fun. a filmmaker and as a person. Uh, I, I love your work. I love, I love what you kind of project to the world. And honestly, you've lived up to every expectation I had. And I have to say, Frank, those expectations were very, very high. Uh, so I really want to give you a lot of a, a lot of props for talking to us uh, and putting up with our questions. I'm sure some of which you've answered a million times before. But uh, I mean, the fact is, you've had the experience that I think all of us on Jodorowsky kind of dream of, right? You had mm -hmm. the not just the interactions, but you told the story of the storyteller, and I think that that's a really amazing thing. And I mean, I I know that you're going to do a lot of great things before your career is done, but it's even at this early stage, and I'll still say early stage, you've created something that changed the world in a really substantial way. And for people like us who are a big fan of yourself and a big fan, of course, of Jodorowsky, I mean, you changed his career and the, your actions have changed his art. And I mean, that's an unbelievable thing to think about. We say thank well, that's, you that's so really much. Nice. Thanks so much, guys. That's really, really sweet of you to say. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm.